0: Uh, completely bad feeling, uh, knowing that
1: you know we were in control. It's definitely got like a bad taste in my mouth and a lot of guys' mouth. Man, we got a lot of warts. You got, you guys this is all drama. It's all about football. We gonna talk about Carolina. So I don't want to talk to you guys. I think he's a bomb. Think he's an absolute bomb. His problem is I'm not vaccinated. These these fans in this place, it just it means so much to me and my family, and uh, always will. And uh, I've always said that they're the best fans in all the sports.
0: You know, my goal is to win more Super Bowls. And um so my my plans to win them here.
1: A lot of decisions,
2: you know, in the next couple months. The best way to put it, and I don't think anything
0: never, you, know, you never say never.
3: F it. Jamar's down there somewhere. I'm
0: going to just throw it up to him. He's going to make a play.
2: So in honor of the shirt, F them picks. We'll use them to go win more Super Bowls. Run it back. Run it back. And just like that, the 2021 season is over, encapsulated by that one minute of sound. A lot more happened than that, though. It really was a blur. It always is a blur. And now the offseason will be a blur. And before you know it, we'll be getting ready for week one of 2022. I am pleased to notice and announce to anyone who may be listening on Sirius XM85 or on our various podcast platforms, Miles has ditched the Rams gear for today. <laughs> You know what,
3: Mike? Hello. Uh, Happy another Friday closer to death, Mike. And, uh, you know, I thought about wearing some Browns gear, but then it got to be like almost 10 minutes before showtime, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to wear. So let me just default back to my usual hoodie button-down combination so we can just get the show on the road.
2: The closest and the cleanest. That is my recipe for finding clothes to wear. I had this on earlier today for PFT Live, and I'm sorry I don't need a wardrobe change. I just wear what I had on earlier (laughs) and I'll wear this until it stinks so bad. My wife says, why are you wearing that? Change your clothes. I still have a suitcase full of clothes in the garage right below where I'm sitting. And one of my projects for the weekend is to wash the LA off of all of them.
3: How long does it typically take you to unpack from a trip? Because I mean, I, I, there, I think it's a suitcase in my room from thanksgiving that i still have not fully unpacked from when i went back east to cleveland
2: well what happened was while i was gone my wife decided to completely clean my office which was a godsend for me now (laughs) some of my stuff got moved but i'm not complaining about that it's worth it i'll worry about finding my stuff at a later date, even if some of my stuff never comes back again uh, and has fallen into some crevice that will never lead to its retrieval. But my office is clean, so I'm very careful. I don't want to bring the suitcase in and leave it there and then take my clothes from there because the, the laundry room is close to my office. It's you know, So it's it makes sense for me to bring it in there. And I keep a lot of my clothes in there when I work out so I don't have to go all the way back to our bedroom because I'm lazy to walk to the other side of the house. So Long story bearable, if she hadn't cleaned my office, it would be parked there and it would sit there until whatever day at some point in the future I get sick of looking at it and empty it out and take it downstairs. So it's going to sit in the garage instead. (laughs) But this weekend, one of the things I will do this weekend is clean out that suitcase and wash all the clothes. I don't know if I told you this earlier in the week. I really was tempted to just leave my suitcase in L.A. I called my wife the morning <laughs> that I was due to leave and I said, I have an overpowering urge to just leave this suitcase here. There is nothing in this suitcase that I need. Of course, I would have lost the one and only PFT zip-up. There's no that this is this is it. This is the only one in existence. But I was so done and I was so fed up and I wanted to get out of there so bad. I didn't even want to take the time to pack. I just wanted to say, screw it. Help yourself. Whoever wants it, just put it out front. Whoever wants some free clothes, here they are.
3: Was that, do you think LA is that dirty? Like I'm not, I'm not really understanding no. the whole thing no. here. But I just like, didn't, didn't, didn't want to I do it. I didn't
2: want to pack. I just wanted to leave. <laughs> I wanted to, the only things I needed were my computers. I brought my main one and my backup. This is my backup. They went the power cord, but that's oh, it. That's all I need. That's the, the Everything else is replaceable and the these are replaceable on your too back. but i can't work without them that's right well, who right. cares who cares well everybody
3: loves well i don't know i don't know what no, movie I, I... you're about to say but like there's wait, an episode wait. of everybody loves raymond that like you're reminding me of now where they have the a suitcase sits
2: there yes. they put cheese yeah, the
3: suitcase, in it yeah they put it they put it right by the door and then it becomes this big thing with ray and deborah i oh, man uh, you want to talk about shows that I love? Everybody loves Raymond, man. That that might be why I even became a sports writer because I loved that show when I was growing up. Every every night I'd watch Everybody Loves Raymond on the WV fifty five seven o'clock.
2: I actually have rewatched the entire series within the past year or so on Peacock because it was on oh. there. And I what the hell, I watch it while I work yeah. out. I have it on. I, I got the whole I got the George Costanza trifecta going on. I work out play Madden and watch something on my phone so all three things at once and I and and when I find like an old series like that I know hey I'll have to I'll have to ask myself what am I going to watch I'm good I'm good to go and they, there was a lot of episodes of everybody Else yeah. Raymond. I mean a lot of them it took a long time to get through the whole series I'm thinking about the movie was it up in the air with George Clooney where uh, is that the one where he does the seminars about you can carry your your life around in a in a you know in a like basically you have it in a backpack and what are you going to take out of the backpack and what do you really need i don't know i may be getting my movies mixed up but i will say this i almost matt tells me i'm i'm correct i almost left my suitcase full of stuff i came dangerously close to leaving my suitcase in los angeles i probably would have regretted it but i just wanted to get i just wanted to i wanted to go home so badly i didn't even want to mess with my suitcase all right uh we have wasted eight minutes of your time, and for that, I deeply apologize. We will now turn to the news that is happening in the National Football League. And this is, this is a new development. From within the last half hour or so, the NFL has announced that it has appointed an investigator for the supplemental investigation of the Washington Commanders. Now that Tiffany Johnston, who did not previously cooperate with the 10-month investigation conducted by Beth Wilkinson, has alleged misconduct by team owner Daniel snyder Publicly, they have hired an investigator to handle that specific allegation. Tiffany Johnston says, and this is a quick summary. I defer to her details from her congressional explanation. It wasn't sworn testimony, but she told it to the world. She's telling it to Congress. She claimed she was at a dinner. Daniel Snyder put his hand on her leg until she forcibly removed it. And then after the dinner, he tried to cajole her into his limo. And then she ultimately got away. And there is at least one person who has come forward and claimed that he witnessed that interaction. And he's a longtime employee of the team. So. The team last week tried to hire its own investigators and the league said, no, 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 that's not how it works. You don't get to go pick your own investigator, especially because Daniel Snyder's already said publicly that this claim is an outright lie. So the NFL hires an investigator, Miles. It is not Beth Wilkinson. It is Mary Jo White, who you may remember from such NFL investigations as the Carolina Panthers in 2017 and Bountygate in 2012. She's back on the scene, and she is going to investigate the Tiffany Johnston claims. Uh, I don't know why they didn't just bring back Beth Wilkinson. I don't know why. I, I, I guarantee you Daniel Snyder didn't want her back, and maybe there was some sort of a of a negotiation where snyder said no way no way no how to beth wilkinson because beth wilkinson i think so i don't think i reported it she was ready to recommend that they get rid of him so he's not going to want her back doing this last little piece but why wouldn't you bring her back she's already done the investigation she already knows the lay of the land she knows the organization so this stinks to me on the surface given the fact that Beth Wilkinson wasn't brought back. And I'm going to be very interested to see what Mary Jo White has to ultimately say. And they are going to make the findings public because there's no one to protect here. Tiffany Johnson's already spoken publicly.
3: Yes, well, that, that is what they said in the announcement that, you know, there's nobody to protect. Um, and that's part of why they're not they're already going to say that they're going to issue a written uh, report. And what the findings are, they're going to have that written out. Um, for this investigation, and that's going to be obviously much different than what we saw Um, last year at this point now where the Washington football team, as it was then known with, let's call them Washington commanders, you know, where everything there was released just before um, the 4th of July. And then we didn't really figure out all of the things that were uncovered in that Beth Wilkinson investigation. But I mean, if, if Daniel Snyder is the one that's saying no way, no how to Beth Wilkinson, why does he really get a vote? I mean, I understand that he is a part of the fraternity of NFL owners, right? That make up the league, but at the same time, he's, he's the one that's being investigated. So, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like at least in this case, the league should be kowtowing to anything that he wants. And, you know, if this new investigator who has done investigations before is going to come up with something that may or may not say that Dan Snyder should uh, sell the team or has should have to sell the team. I mean, I don't, I just don't really understand why at any point they would really want to do anything that Daniel Snyder wants to do. Like if, if this is what's going to coop, excuse me, cook Daniel Snyder's goose, then it should be cooked by whoever knows it. You know what I mean? I, I, I understand that aspect of it, but it it just, I don't know. Something about that kind of stinks, as you said.
2: Well, and it may be something as simple as Daniel Snyder said, if you appoint Beth Wilkinson, we're not going to cooperate. Now, you don't cooperate at your own peril. But the problem is Daniel Snyder is wired to fight, and they know that they are getting into a a protracted battle with Daniel Snyder if they move against him aggressively. So Mary Jo White enters the fray, and I don't know what to think about her involvement in this because— Two examples I can point to with the Panthers. One of her recommendations was that the NFL eliminate the use of NDAs for situations like this so that people will be able to come forward and cooperate when there are investigations. The NFL, by all appearances, has never acted on that. So that's one instance of Mary Jo White maybe saying something that her financial benefactors, the people who were paying her bills, didn't want to hear. However, back in Bounty Gate, and I remember this, Vividly miles and this was a very small piece but to me it spoke to the heart of the credibility of the NFL when it was trying to paint the Saints as a rogue organization that it wasn't some sort of a cultural problem throughout the NFL like steroids in the 80s that the Saints were the only ones who had a bounty program the only ones who were doing this kind of thing and that was baloney but they went so far over the top in trying to convince the media that the NFL was right and the Saints were wrong they hired Mary Jo White to do an independent review of the evidence or something like that. And the thing that did it for me, and this is a very obscure point, but there was a piece of video that had been captured by NFL Films. And she insisted that that video showed Anthony Hargrove, I believe, saying, Bobby, give me my money. And that supported the idea that they were beating up Brett Favre during the 2009 NFC Championship with the anticipation that they were going to get the money that came along with knocking him out of the game. And that piece of video, I remember watching that a hundred times. And it finally clicked that that's not what she claimed it was. It was somebody else saying it. It was a small point, but it was enough to get me to say, I reject everything she says. I reject everything the NFL says. And Miles, that was the moment 10 years ago when I decided that anything they try to get me to believe, I'm going to assume it's BS until they prove otherwise. So anytime I hear Mary Joe White, I got you know, bugs on the skin, frankly, reminder of the BS that she tried to spoon feed the media and successfully fed it to everybody except me. Maybe I'm the one that was wrong. But this is my my hesitation with Mary Jo White because I think, like all good corporate lawyers, she's going to come to the conclusion that she thinks the people who are paying her bill wanted to come to, which means she's really not investigating anything. She's just starting at the ending point And working backward to justify whatever it is that she thinks whoever hired her wants her to do.
3: So that would be the biggest difference then between what somebody like Beth Wilkinson would investigate and, you know, how she would come to her conclusions versus somebody how Mary Jo White would come to her own conclusions. Am I reading that right from your perspective?
2: Well, I'm just I I think the whole system stinks. The idea that we're going to go get an independent investigator, you're paying their bill. And smart lawyers pay attention to what their clients want if they continue to hope to do work for that client or if they like to have other assignments like that. If you get a reputation for somebody who doesn't go along with what the people who are paying the bills want you to do, you're going to find yourself out of work pretty quickly. You're going to find yourself not having these cost-insensitive clients, like the managing partner of the firm that I initially worked for, Jones Day, and Polk, headquartered in Cleveland, by the way, said in a meeting back in 1992-ish, and I was sitting there, and I was like, you know, cost-insensitive client means we want to work for a bunch of people that got big problems and big money, and they're never going to look at the bills and say... Why are you charging me this? Why are you charging me that? So that's what these lawyers want to do. That's how they get rich. They find a big corporation that they can work for and they can put 10 lawyers on the case and they submit a bill every month and nobody ever asks any questions about it. They just wire the money and it goes and it goes and it goes. And if you're not in a position to get that work, you're not going to get that kind of money. And I hate to be that cynical, but I lived in that world. That's how it works. So if Mary Jo White Wants to continue to get a call from the NFL once every couple of years and, you know, have I don't I don't know how much she's going to make off of it somewhere in the six figures. I would say by the time she does all the work and charges all the invoices and puts the associates on it and just goes and goes and goes, does the right investigation, gets up to speed, which Beth Wilkinson wouldn't have to do. My my point is she's going to give the NFL what it wants, not what the facts would ultimately require her to do. And I'm actually supporting Dan Snyder in this. I I don't I'm not saying let's go find somebody who's just gonna rubber stamp the NFL if it's at the point where the NFL wants to get rid of Dan Snyder and she's gonna find that Dan Snyder did. I don't want I don't want any predisposition. I want somebody to come in fresh and to look at this with a with a clear and critical eye and reach a conclusion. But with not with Beth Wilkinson not being the one who does it, you're wasting The experience that she already has in assessing the credibility of these witnesses, assessing Dan Snyder's credibility. She already has opinions about what he's saying and whether he's believable. And I know that that I'm kind of contradicting myself by saying that because she'd be kind of prejudging. But she has a legitimate basis for it because she's already done the investigation. She's not going to be duped by him. He's got a better chance of duping Mary Jo White because Beth Wilkins is going to show up and say, no, we've done this before. No, 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 don't, don't, don't feed me that crap. We've done this before. And he better be honest with her this time because she smoked him out before, I believe. So I just I, – I don't – I'm always hesitant about any of this because I really do think that – and this goes back to Deflategate. It goes to Bullygate. It goes to Bountygate. They start at the end and they work backward. And then they piece it together forward to reach the conclusion that they think the person who hired them wanted them to reach. Okay.
3: Yeah. So there, there was a lot there. And as you said, you did kind of contradict yourself a little bit. In I know. Of that I know. You're, I know you're talking about I know. having fresh eyes on something. That's okay. That's I'm allowed you, to white is. No, I'm not saying you're not allowed to. I'm just trying to piece it all together for myself, right? And for hopefully the audience who maybe wants to listen to a different voice. I don't know. But you've got that no, aspect
2: no, no, I of it. But then you also... Hey, tell me about Baker Mayfield.
3: <laughs> okay. No, we're not that. Don't do that yet. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to talk it out, right? I'm trying to
2: talk it through. Because Go ahead. It's I, fine. It's good. That's what I, we're here for.
3: Right, exactly. No, but I, I think that there is something to having fresh eyes and trying to look at it objectively. But what I hear you saying and what I tend to agree with is that if you are coming at this as Mary Jo White has perhaps come at things in the past where you're starting from a conclusion and you're working backward from there versus somebody else who might have even more fresh eyes, not necessarily just about this particular issue But for an NFL issue as a whole, that's different than, say, somebody like a Beth Wilkinson who has worked on investigating um, the Washington commanders before and who has probably at this point a very good BS detector for somebody like Daniel Snyder. So it's not just that there's a binary here, which is where I'm trying to sort of help you with the contradiction that you just kind of made. It's there's. There could be different avenues of getting to what the NFL is trying to investigate here, right? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it does make sense. And I I just want somebody to investigate this fairly and even handedly for everyone involved yes. and to have no predisposition that would taint the investigation. No wink or nod from anyone at 345 Park Avenue that guides Mary Jill White in the direction that the people who are going to pay her bills want her to go. I want them to let her do a full and fair and honest investigation. And one of the reasons I keep going back to Beth Wilkinson is I believe she did a full and fair investigation. I think Dan Snyder probably regrets the moment that he hired her initially to do the investigation before the NFL took over the process. And if my memory serves, and sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't, the NFL took over after the report emerged of the outtakes from the cheerleading video, and that became yes. a thing, and it it needed to be a thing. It needed to be an issue, and that's when the NFL said, we're taking over this investigation. But I feel like Beth Wilkinson was allowed to do a fair and honest investigation and to come to her conclusions. The problem is— The NFL didn't want her conclusions. See, she didn't play ball, and maybe that's why she's not been hired again. Maybe it's that simple. Maybe this conversation is allowing us to properly thread the needle. The reason she didn't get the second assignment is she ultimately didn't give them what they wanted in the first assignment. They didn't want a recommendation that Daniel Snyder be forced to sell because at that time, Miles, their predisposition was – to protect Snyder in order to protect themselves. Not because they want to help Snyder, but because they don't want other owners to be in a similar jackpot. This time around, the fact that they didn't go back, back to Beth Wilkinson, it could be a recognition that she didn't do what they wanted her to do last time. And and it, it just could be... Yeah, and, and I don't know what they want this time. Maybe they do want to nail Snyder this time. Maybe they do. Right. Maybe they want the conclusion to be that that Snyder did it and he should go. But I just hope that whatever they secretly want, Mary Jo White is allowed to do her investigation, unfettered, unaffected, and I'm concerned only because she played the game 10 years ago when she was hired to handle Bounty Gage. She was not an independent voice. She was an advocate of the league's position. That's why I'm concerned that she's going to pick up a vibe as to what they want and she's going to give them what they want rather than doing a fair and honest and clean investigation. I think, I think, I hope, I hope I finally made sense. I hope.
3: No, I don't I don't think you, yeah, I know, but it sometimes does with you. That's okay. I'm used to it by now. We've been doing this for a year. Um, but I, I, I feel like It's one of those situations where, you know, one of my favorite sayings, the, oh, won't someone rid me of this meddlesome priest, right? And maybe Beth Wilkinson heard that saying and was like, Nah, I'm not going to do that. I was hired to be an independent investigator. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to investigate this and I'm going to come to my own conclusions and then I'm going to maybe make a recommendation. Right. I'm going to figure out what it is that's going on here and then say this is how we can try to remedy this particular situation. And if the NFL didn't necessarily like the conclusions that she came to, that's maybe why we didn't get a written report. Because, frankly, and this is not exactly what we're talking about here, but it kind of is, I've always found it to be a little bit disingenuous when you're saying we can't disclose these names, these women requested anonymity, and that's why we can't issue a full written report. That's garbage, right? You just make it Jane Doe, Jane Doe number one, Jane Doe number two, Jane Doe number three. You don't have to use anybody's name when you're describing these situations. So at least now, that's not something that we're going to see with whatever comes out of this Mary Jo White investigation, because as we said, the NFL has already said that they are going to issue a full written report on this and make it public because these accusations were made in a public forum. If nothing else, we'll at least get some sort of transparency there.
2: We definitely will. And what you said is right on the money. It was baloney. It was bogus. It's one of the reasons why the commissioner gets $65 million a year, because he stood up at the press conference at the October meetings and took the questions and answered them with a straight face, even though the words he was saying were BS, as you said. Yes. And they were. And that's part of what he gets paid that money for, to take the heat, and be the pincushion for the owners who stand off to the side and never have to answer those kinds of questions. The team has issued a statement saying that they are satisfied with the selection of Mary Jo White. Of course they are because the alternative was Beth Wilkinson, and they will fully cooperate, (laughs) which makes me only more suspicious that someone said to the league, we don't want Beth Wilkinson back in here. We don't want her back in here, and we're not going to cooperate, or we're going to make a big stink. We're going to make a big issue about Beth Wilkinson if you try to hire Beth Wilkinson. We'll attack your decision, and we'll point out that you know she didn't secure her file because she apparently had a draft of a report that ended up in the hands of somebody from 106.7 The Fan in D.C. How do you explain that? You could argue that in and of itself is reason not to trust her as the investigator the second time around because she whether she did it intentionally or accidentally she didn't secure her stuff and if a lawyer can't secure his or her stuff you can't trust that lawyer to properly follow the the rules of discretion and secrecy and confidentiality it's one of the most important things any lawyer can do is not spill secrets in any form whatsoever so uh, who knows what would have happened if they would have picked beth wilkins but i have a feeling there would have been a fight and that this was a compromise by the NFL, but it is somebody who has given the NFL in the past what the NFL wanted. That is my concern. This should not be about what the NFL wants. This should be about what the facts require. And let's see where the facts go. Let's see where the investigation goes. And we're going to continue to watch this very carefully. Congress is. Everyone is. It's not going away. And it all can be blamed, frankly, on whoever it was that decided to weaponize some of those 650,000 emails to take out John Gruden. Because before that, it was done, it was gone, yep. it was over it was it was over it it they had won they had they had put together this ruse and it had worked and until john gruden went down it was never going to come up again all right uh there's no easy way to pivot so let's pivot let's just say hey we're going to talk about something else now and let's talk about something else tom clements back to the packers as quarterback's coach he was there from 2006 through 2000, 2011 as a position coach offensive coordinator 2012 through 2014 assistant head coach 2015 and 2016 when he was pushed out after the 2016 season that's when Aaron Rodgers reportedly presumably actually otherwise got upset he wanted Clemens still there so this is being perceived as an effort by the Packers to to sweeten the pot to get Rodgers to want to stay and I don't I part of me thinks that Rodgers is smart enough to see through this and to look at it as, hey, you know, I, I, I understand what you're trying to do here, but you're kind of admitting you never should have let the guy go in the first place by bringing him back. I just think there's something about it that may not sit well with Aaron Rodgers. You know, if he's already inclined to leave, there's a way to spin this in his own mind that makes him say, this isn't genuine, this isn't real. They could have brought him back last year. They didn't have to fire him in the first place. He retired after the 2020 season with the Cardinals. So I don't know that this has the effect on Rodgers that the team thinks it does, Miles.
3: Well, I mean, they got rid of that entire staff, too. So, I mean, that, that's kind of part of it, you know? Like, it's not like Matt LaFleur didn't go in and hire his own people. Uh, but now uh, the, the quarterback's coach is gone, right? Your former offensive coordinator is gone. So all these different things have happened. And if you want to try to placate Aaron Rodgers, this could be one way of doing it by getting his old position coach um, out from retirement and saying, Hey man, let's go do this again. So I I don't know if it's really going to necessarily be a thing that would push Aaron Rodgers to say, I'm going to stay here in green Bay. I'm going to stick around. I'm going to do all these things and make everybody happy because it just seems like Jordan love isn't ready to take over yet. Um, But again, I, I don't really see where there's a much better option for him than just staying where he is and trying to do things like that, you know, because like, you could go with the same thing and saying like, Oh, well, what were they doing when they brought back Randall Cobb? Like that was pretty clearly a move to play cater and Rogers, And it worked out in some ways. And then Cobb got hurt and then he came back in the playoffs and they still lost that playoff game. So I don't really know if it's going to have the desired effect, but at least what it does is it gives green Bay cover. They can still say that they're doing pretty much everything they possibly can to try to keep Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And if he decides that it's still not enough, then it's still not enough.
2: And that was, I think, the takeaway from the Super Bowl Sunday splash reports from both ESPN and NFL Network that the Packers are prepared to do whatever they have to do contractually to get Aaron Rodgers to stay. Somebody informed of the situation said to me in the aftermath of those reports, this isn't news Especially not to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, So we'll see if it happens. But I think you're right, Miles. Your instinct on the Packers looking for cover here because they don't want to be blamed. If Rodgers chooses to leave, it's his call. We did everything we could to get him to stay. He decided to leave. It's on him. Don't get mad at us. Please buy the remainder of the non-stock stock and then renew your season tickets and buy plenty of Packers stuff, preferably some Jordan Love jerseys. Brian Flores, the former Dolphins coach, recorded a podcast recently with Brandon Marshall, the I Am Athlete series. They dropped a trailer for the episode that debuts on Monday. And in it, Flores addresses his relationship with Tua tonga which Reportedly, based upon leaks from the team, was not good. Here's Flores with his take on the notion that he didn't get along with Tua.
1: This is a, an interesting topic because uh, it wasn't strained. We had a good relationship. Um, it was a player-coach relationship. And I think in a relationship like that, you know, the coach challenges the player. And oftentimes, the player challenges the coach. And I think there was a great deal of respect between the two of us. Um, so you, you hear these crazy kind of, this narrative that's out there. Um, but this is a, a young man who, who works, who developed and got better over two years. And, you know, I think he's got a, 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 you know, a bright future. And I wish him all the best. So the world can think what it wants to think. I think... Uh, Ask Tua, you know? I'm I'm here to say what I got to say, and you you can ask him. Mm -hmm. So I think he'd say the same thing.
2: You know, we haven't heard from Tua. He had made the rounds at the Super Bowl each of the last two years. I don't think there was any Tua talk last week in advance of Super Bowl 56, but that's a fair point, Miles. Ask Tua about the relationship. Now, the reality is he may say the diplomatic thing, but – I firmly believe all the crap that they were throwing at Brian Flores after he was fired was aimed at blaming him for the dysfunction that has been inherent to that organization for years, not just during Flores' time, but for years. And he wasn't the one that was pining for Deshaun Watson. It was Stephen Ross. They made it look like all the Deshaun stuff was Flores. Flores didn't want Tua, and he wanted Deshaun. And I I think it would be maybe accurate to say Flores just wanted it to be over, that having this vague possibility of adding Deshaun Watson hovering over his quarterback and over his team was counterproductive. And they were one and seven until the trade deadline. And then they went eight and one after the trade deadline. I I think that the possibility of Watson did screw things up for the Dolphins. But that doesn't mean that Flores was the lone voice pushing for Deshaun and hoping to push Tua out. Everybody in the organization wanted that. So there's some BS that's been disseminated by the Dolphins and I I like it that Brian Flores is pushing back however if he was my client I would remind him anything he says in any setting in any interview in any place can be used against him as a statement that he has made publicly when he's grilled under oath in a deposition when he's grilled under oath at trial if you deviate in any substantial way from something you've said in the past lawyers will try to make it look like you have an inconsistency with the message to the jury being, were you lying then or are you lying now? So if you're going to do these interviews, you just got to be very careful with the words you use because they will try to twist your words and make it look like you're telling two different versions of the same story.
3: Well, I, I think that Brian Flores, having you know, do, done press conferences every day for three years and also, uh, growing up in the New England organization and watching Bill Belichick speak to the media, I feel like he has at least a pretty decent handle on, on something like that. But I, I think you're, you're on to something when you talk about how the, the relationship between Brian Flores and Tua tonga probably was not necessarily as important as just the situation with the franchise in general and the franchise's flirtation with going after Deshaun Watson. I, I, I don't think that there's any question that that probably had some effect on the locker room, some effect on Tua Tungabailoa, who said during the season, I don't not feel wanted. Right, well, what, what does that even mean? You know, that's like, that, that's not a good situation to have when you have a quarterback who's trying to become a franchise guy. So. I don't know. I, I think Brian Flores is smart enough to know that if he does go in public and he does say something, that anything he says can and will be used against him. But in this particular case, I, I think you're right. It's like, well, you got to ask Tua Filoa to, to really understand if he has a different perception of what that dynamic was. But frankly, I don't think he's ever going to say it either at this point. And like he's not till like a few years down the road.
2: Uh, let me just say this, though. Because I lived in this world and I know how litigators value. Oh, Mike, we i you were I'm a just a lawyer. You. I'm trying. I want to make sure that anyone out there who may not be aware of that fact, because I still get oh. the what does he know? What are, he's talking about legal issues? What you, does that idiot know about said, it? You
3: said you said at the beginning of the show you worked at the law firm that was headquartered in Cleveland. How many times they may have we just tuned in? in the
2: segment?
3: They, they, oh they, they may have just
2: tuned in. They may have just tuned in. We but But this, this is an important point, though. Lawyers love to find those inconsistencies, and they will try to make those inconsistencies even if they don't exist. Remember yesterday when we were having the discussion about what Sean McVay's fiancé really meant by retirement? I mean, lawyers will pour yes. over those words. Language is important. They will parse over anything. And you get yourself into a spot where you get a good cross-examiner. You get yourself into a tricky spot. My My point is... The fewer things you say, the less the universe is of things that you may have to deal with when it's time to be interrogated by the other side's lawyer. I'd be more comfortable if Brian Flores wasn't saying anything than going on all of these different shows. But there's a PR aspect to it. There's a courtroom aspect to it. And this guy's just trying to affect change. So part of affecting change is going into a setting like – that and getting his message out directly to the players, to the current and former players, and so that so that people will hear what he has to say and understand what he has to say. And uh, it's not an easy situation for Brian Flores and his lawyers because there's a lot of people out there. I see it all the time on Twitter. There are a lot of people who are already assuming that like he's a problem, he's a cancer. Oh, I can't believe he's not. Oh, I can't believe he would sue the Texans too for the, they should be allowed to not hire him because he sued the NFL. No, that's not how it works. It's just he's going to be dealing with that. Constantly until this case is resolved. And I feel badly for him that he has to deal with it because he should be allowed to try to pursue and vindicate his legal rights if he believes they've been violated. And I've yet to hear or see anything that makes me think his rights haven't been violated. Let's take a break. We have violated the clock. We are well past where we should have been for the first segment of the show. When we return, we will talk about the moments that most defined in our recollection, the 2021 season. We'll do that on PFTPM right after.
1: Second to go.
0: Pass. Cup. Got it. Touchdown. In a pressure situation, I don't know if
2: I have ever seen anybody be better than Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. That was the moment that effectively won the Super Bowl for the Rams, although there was a moment after that that you may be hearing about in the coming moments The moments that define the 2021 season, and we'll see how many times I can say moments in a collection of moments. It amounts to about 30 seconds. Miles, you go first. Give me your top moment that defines the season that just ended.
3: I believe that was eight uh, on the counter, if not 10. Uh, and my moment, my first one, is going to be Aaron Donald in Super Bowl 56, ending the game effectively with his third down stop and then the fourth down stop. It was one of those legacy defining moments. And having talked to Aaron Donald for five years in locker rooms, he always used to say, big time players make big time plays in big time situations and big time games. And that is exactly what he did right there to get Smajay Ryan on third down and then to come in on fourth down. If you watch that mic'd up, you see Sean McVay, once they get into shotgun, he goes, man, I think Aaron Donald's going to make a play right here. He comes in the backfield. He flings down Joe Burrow. Ball is incomplete and the Rams are Super Bowl champions. That that to me is the moment that defined uh, the 2021 season.
2: I agree with you completely and if Aaron Donald hadn't gotten to Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase wide open down the right sideline because his feet got tangled with Jalen Ramsey's and Ramsey's Hit the deck. For me, the thing that I'm always going to remember because I think it's going to cast a cloud over the 2022 season and everything that Mike McCarthy, the Cowboys head coach, does the fateful draw play at the end of the Cowboys 49ers game when the goal was to get closer for a more mandible throw to the end zone. Dak Prescott goes a little farther than he should have, gets up, they don't get out of the way for the umpire who is hustling to get in position, to touch the ball. Dak gives it to the center instead of hands it to the umpire. The umpire can't get through Dak, who doesn't get out of the way. They claim they practice this every week. C.D. Lamb said otherwise when we interviewed him last week. They clearly didn't practice it with an umpire on the field to simulate that very critical aspect of it. He's the most important guy in that entire play. The umpire getting in position so the ball can be snapped and spiked with time left on the clock. That is the play that Mike McCarthy will not be able to live down and could contribute to him being out after this year unless he has a much better season, Miles, than he did in 2021.
3: So what's interesting, Mike, is you went with a play that had time as a negative. My next one's going to be with time as a positive. Well, I guess it depends on your perspective. But it's the 13 seconds that the Kansas City Chiefs took to get down the field and score a field goal that would send that game against the Bills into overtime. And then, of course, the coin flip happens. The Chiefs go down the field, and Travis Kelsey catches that game-winning pass in the end zone to beat the Buffalo Bills. I was watching that game with one of my best friends, and I'm telling you, he's a big Buffalo guy, right? Big Bills fan, not old enough to really remember all those good teams in the 90s. When they scored that touchdown with 13 seconds left, he's like jumping up and down, going, let's go, Buffalo. And like saying, it's literally soupy because we're just going to go and we're going to roll the bangles. And then once they get down the field, you know, Travis Kelsey catches that pass to get them in field goal range. They call timeout. They did exactly what they needed to do. My best friend from Buffalo goes silent, and he didn't say anything until 30 minutes after the game ended. So that tells you from a fan perspective how soul-crushing it was. I can only imagine how soul-crushing it must have been for the Bills as players, coaches, and organization in general. It's going to be real interesting to see how they can recover from that next season because everything they did in the offseason leading up to the 2021 season was about beating the Chiefs. They couldn't hold it for 13 seconds to do it.
2: it. It really was a fascinating moment. And also, it sets the stage for potential changes to the postseason overtime procedure for 2022. Not regular season, but postseason. And it's as simple as the Bills would have gotten a chance. And if the Chiefs had scored seven points on that opening drive, the Bills would have had to decide if they scored their touchdown, go for two in the win, or kick off and allow the Chiefs to win if they score either a field goal or a touchdown. For me, Tom Brady going back to New England and winning there in his return, his final game in Foxborough after leaving the Patriots winning a Super Bowl. All the build up, the 4 weeks that began the season were all about what was happening on that Sunday night in early October. It felt like a playoff game. It almost felt like a Super Bowl. Miles and the patriots had a chance late i'm still astounded that the patriots opted for the long field goal instead of giving mac jones a chance to get a first down on the fourth down play that preceded the field goal that that uh what did the field goal the field goal stoink and, and not go in what happened to that field goal did it hit the uh, did it hit the uprights so uh, much for it this, being a defining moment i can't remember me, what happened yeah, that last know. field goal but was it was long, a long that time was ago months ago it really but, was i think but I was Brady, back to new england no you were 30 Brady back to New England, one of the moments that defined the season. All right, last one. What do you got?
3: Uh, Let me get the Colts because there are so many that we could go, but I think the Colts losing to the Jags in week 18 was such an embarrassing loss for that franchise, it really sets up things for change here in 2022. You had Jonathan Taylor, who was an MVP candidate, and I say that with air quotes because, I mean, what was he doing that really was MVP-worthy? But he was the they were the darlings, right? Oh, Carson Wentz, he might be fixed. And then they go to the Jaguars, they go to Jacksonville, and as they have every game that they've played in that stadium since 2014, they pee down their leg They can't get it done, and now Carson Wentz may be out, and Frank Reich and Chris Ballard may be on the hot seat heading into 2022. It is really a a real just change-making game that they lost there in Jacksonville.
2: You know, as we said in one of our shows after the season ended, Whoever decided that Carson Wentz was the answer is the someone who is someone who's got to answer the tough questions for Jim Irsay. And I'm surprised there weren't big changes made. The biggest change, though, will be by all appearances. Carson Wentz is out. Last one for me, Aaron Rodgers, MVP again, number one seed again. Losing at home at Lambeau Field again. One of my favorite stats currently is that the Packers, before 2002, were 14 and 0 at home in the postseason. Since then, they're 7 and 7. Something has happened to Lambeau Field. Some, maybe they should allow the tundra to be frozen instead of having the system underneath it that keeps the ground from being as cold as it was during the Ice Bowl in the late 60s. But two years in a row. The one seed in the NFC is the Packers. Two years in a row, they don't get to the Super Bowl. Two years in a row, Rodgers does not play nearly as well in the playoffs as he did, I was going to say, wire to wire in the regular season. Let's just go week two to week 18 in the regular season. Week one doesn't count. The rest of the season, he was great. Won the MVP. Couldn't win at home. A game they should have won. And even though it wasn't on him, it was special teams. Miles, he didn't play well enough. If he plays like he does in the regular season, they win that game.
3: Uh, Yeah, he probably does, but also we can't necessarily say end to end because he missed a game due to COVID, and they went to Kansas City, and they lost pretty badly, and the offense looked terrible with Jordan Love as their quarterback. So, I mean, certainly I I think he earned the MVP award. You know, I'm not going to sit here and make Aaron Rodgers call me a bum, but I I just would say that there at least was one week there where he was not playing.
2: Not bum, absolute bum. That's what he called Exactly. Yeah. for my, my saying right. that he yeah. wouldn't vote for him and he didn't and he didn't he voted for he cooper didn't. cup instead let's uh take a break we will now officially close the book on 2021 and focus on things we're looking forward to covering in the 2022 offseason when pftpm continues to play after this.
0: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards
2: You know, one of the stories that we will be covering throughout the offseason is this Washington Commanders investigation, the congressional side of it, the NFL side of it. And we now have the full statement from the team, and it's instructive on one very key point. I'm going to summarize this briefly. The Commanders say they're pleased that the NFL has appointed Mary Jo White. The Commanders have always been on having a full and fair investigation. Given the team's confidence in Ms. White's ability to conduct such a full and fair investigation, the Commanders will not separately pursue an investigation and instead cooperate with Ms. White. That tells me that the negotiation was, hey, if you're going to hire Beth Wilkinson to come back and do this, we're still doing our own investigation. We're doing our own, and ours is going to compete with yours, and ours is going to undermine yours. If you're going to hire somebody else, if you're going to hire Mary Jo White, then we won't do our own. And I think we now know why the NFL maybe pivoted away from Beth Wilkinson and what leverage miles the commanders had to get the NFL to do it.
3: But it, to me, I have no idea why anybody would find a Washington commander's investigation of itself if they're going to do competing investigations. Why in the world would you find that credible? And at some point, to me, it's got to be like, you, you just got to be willing to tell them, eat, poo, and die, right? Like, it, it doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> I,
2: didn't, I didn't say the actual saying, right? Because <laughs> I don't want to get a look,
3: look. But, but I just, we got, I just I we don't got... understand that.
2: I, you did say the other thing during break, which is so Again. much funnier than eat poo and die. But my question to you was, if they're already dying at your behest, why would you want that to be their last meal? Have you no mercy, Miles? Please no. let them have a steak instead of something else from the cow. I will say in this
3: particular situation, if we're investigating these things and these allegations are proven true, then, yeah, eat, poo and die seems to be a pretty fair (laughs) thing to say.
2: Uh All right. Other than the Washington commanders investigation and whether or not Daniel Snyder will indeed be sentenced to death and to have to have one very specific last meal before walking the green mile. Give me something else that you're looking forward to covering this offseason.
3: Well, it's pretty obvious, but it's the quarterback movement, right? There, I went through it. I was looking at different teams, Mike, and I counted 13 teams that could potentially have some sort of quarterback movement throughout the course of this offseason. I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers is obvious, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Deshaun Watson, you know, provided that there's a resolution to those cases. Um, that are still presented against him. There's those guys are obvious. But, you know, when you look at all these different teams like Denver, Washington, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, those guys are obvious. Indianapolis, you've got Detroit, perhaps. I mean, who knows what Jared Goff is going to be there? Philadelphia, the Giants, New Orleans, potentially Cleveland, potentially the Raiders, potentially the Vikings. Like That's a lot of teams in a lot of different situations. So, We haven't really seen the quarterback carousel start to spin yet. Once Aaron Rodgers makes whatever decision he's going to make, that's going to be the first domino to fall. And I think we'll start seeing more things after that. But yeah, to me, it's the quarterback movement.
2: And to me, it's whether or not other teams will try to build their roster the way that the Rams have. We already have heard from Brandon Bean, the Bills GM, who chimed in on going for the brass ring by saying, what about two or three years from now? Well, you know what? Two or three years from now, you'll have a Super Bowl trophy they can never take away. And a point that I've made several times this week, Miles, if Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. end up playing for the Bills this year, maybe they're the ones who had the drunken parade on Wednesday, not the Rams.
3: Yeah, it would have been a lot colder there in Buffalo than it was out here in L.A., right? But, I mean, it's not like Gabriel Davis was a slouch. She had a great game in that game against the Chiefs. It just, But you're right. I mean, maybe if they have Von Miller, they have that extra edge rusher. Maybe somebody gets to Patrick Holmes and they don't do what they did in 13 seconds. All
2: right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, the USFL is back in April. There will be plenty of games televised by NBC and right here on Peacock. They're going to have a player draft on Tuesday and Wednesday, and they have a very unique procedure. We'll tell you how they're going to do it when PSTPM continues right after this. They have team names, they have coaches, they have a city in which the games will be played, they have uniforms, they don't have players. The USFL 2.0 will get its players on Tuesday and Wednesday. Here's what they're doing, Miles, because I know you didn't read this story at PFT, you just admitted it. A 35-round draft, (laughs) and it's specific to positions. Round one, quarterbacks only. Rounds two through four, edge rushers and defensive ends. Offensive tackles, rounds five through seven, and it's a modified snake system. In the first round, getting the first pick, Jeff Fisher and the Michigan Panthers. With only 10 games, he can't go seven and nine, which is good news. I don't know what the 10-game equivalent is of seven and nine. Is it four and six? I guess it's four and six. But uh, regardless, he gets dibs on whoever the best quarterback is. And here's the weird twist on this. The picks come from a pool of players who have already signed contracts to play in the USFL. We don't know who they are. They're not going to announce who they are. So we don't even know who it may be. Could it be Johnny Manziel, my new Twitter friend? I don't know. We won't know until the names begin to be selected on Tuesday night. And I'm I'm kind of intrigued by it. Just by the fact, how many of these people will I have actually heard of? (laughs)
3: I bet we've heard of some, you know, and we got like Cardale Jones is in there. That's the first name that came to mind. That's like a quarterback that I don't believe is in the league anymore, but at least showed some ability that like he could play, you know, and what wasn't he on that team with Pep Hamilton? No, that was uh PJ Walker. Wasn't it? I don't know.
2: I, I'm not. Cardell Jones I, played I, in the, he played in the XFL. One of the FLs.
3: Yeah. You know, the like there's there the, the AAF. And then the XFL. When it's not, I'm 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 I gotta be honest. When, when it's like after February and then you know, into whatever it is, like the offseason program, I I wanna pay attention to basketball. I think it's really cool that we're gonna have football and like it's good that you know, some of these guys are gonna get a good opportunity and probably turn that into an NFL opportunity. But like, I do it's about to be basketball season, you know, we got the tournament coming up. Then the, play, the well, NBA playoffs.
2: I like the NBA playoffs a it, lot. I, yeah. Let me, let, let, me tell you, let me tell you something very simple. And even though the games are going to be televised by NBC and Peacock and where, wherever else they, they Which put Which we them, should definitely watch. I've, I've said this before, though. I remember when the USFL launched in 1983 and how excited I was about the concept of more football. And then I remember sitting there watching it thinking, I'm really not interested in this. I want an alternative league Tuesdays and Wednesday nights during football season. That's what I want. Yeah. I think that's what will be successful. But, but people are looking for things to gamble on, and this will give people things on which to bet. I think that's why, unlike the AAF or the XFL, which didn't complete a single season before they went away, the USFL may be destined to not eat poo and die. (laughs)
3: <laughs> That's a perfect one. What a great way to end this show. Have a great weekend, everybody.
2: Enjoy your dinner, everybody, and try to stay alive. See you real soon.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.